Welcome to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. Uh, good evening. I'm Tim Fredericks, your host, along with my co-host, Fran Gavin, in the studio this evening with another show curated by our doctoral students here at Centenary University. This evening's show is uh, has been put together by Kristen Kreese and is going to feature some uh, excellent work that's being done in the Branchburg School District. Um, without further ado, I am turning it over to Kristen, and um, she will introduce our guest and proceed. Kristen? Thank you very much, Dr. Fredericks. One of the things I thought was important to discuss was the opportunity to use creative scheduling to address student needs. Since the pandemic, many uh, schools have been searching for additional ways to meet the social and emotional needs of students. And through creative scheduling, um, we we're able to, to address some of those needs, which really is not a cost to our district. This evening, I've invited a variety of special areas teachers that are currently teaching at my school to talk about the ways that they've used creative scheduling and programming to meet the needs of some of our students both social and emotionally, and then in turn, also their academic needs. So I'd like to introduce Matt Zimmerman, who has been teaching in New Jersey schools for 11 years, where he has taught every grade except 10th. He currently works with fourth and fifth graders as a computer and technology teacher, as well as Sam Mantha Ruger, who is in her fourth year teaching art. Prior to becoming an art teacher, she worked in the fashion world as a graphic designer. And the reason she switched careers was that she was not enjoying the work she was creating and transitioning to art has been rewarding. So Matt, can you start us off and share a little bit about the lunch programs that you have created um, for students at our school? Uh, sure, of course. And hello everyone. Um, one of our district goals was SEL, social emotional learning for the last few years. And being a big kid myself, trying to think of an idea to connect and participate and really work with students. The first thing I thought of was video games because a lot of our students are interested in that. And I've noticed the shift in higher ed, high school and even middle schools of really video game clubs and really it's even pushing towards that competitive scene. So what I really wanted to do was find a way to connect and early in the year, one of my goals was to introduce all of our fourth grade students to the game Tetris, which came out in the 1980s and I felt was a good way to really just connect and get to know students. Our fourth graders are new to our school. They come in from a, another school and it's allowed an opportunity for me to take a step back and really get away from my desk and work that can be overwhelming as a teacher and help myself, but help my students. And the first idea was to randomly pick students because again, connecting to social emotional learning, I, I want to have an environment where students can play, talk, discuss, and ask questions. I think one of the things we talk about a lot in education with SEL is really what can we do to encourage our students to, to notice the importance of it. And to be, to be honest, I think one of the things we fail 
to do well in education when we talk about SEL is simply talk about the word play. And to me, a lot of our SEL or social emotional learning and goals really revolve around that idea of play, but I don't hear that enough in education. And when I'm talking about play, we're talking about curiosity, we're talking about conversing, we're talking about communication, we're talking about learning how to take turns and share. And those are skills I think during the pandemic over the last three years that students have struggled with even even in fourth and fifth grade, sharing, taking turns, things like that. And those are all things that are easily talked about when we're eating lunch, playing video games. And it's the video game idea is, is meeting students really where they are. And I think what that's done is builds really relationships among students, students getting to know students they might not normally talk with or eat lunch with and things, things of that nature. So you talked a little bit about the needs that you're seeing in terms of play and, and those some of those social interactions that really um, happen during those play scenarios and, and how you're able to address some of those needs through this program. How are you seeing your students responding to this experience? You are taking them out of their comfort zone a little bit when you have them meet and work with students that they might not know or they might not have a familiarity with. So. How are they responding? How is that? How do you see that work going? Every student's different. You'll have students come into my room immediately talking about their interest in things they're involved in. They'll notice and try to build those connections with their teacher quickly. The, the other thing is putting the students in that successful position to talk about. So, I mean, eating lunch, eating lunch simply, the connection starts by talking about about food and that is something we all relate to we all need we all we all love we have our favorites we have things we don't like and that really just serves as an icebreaker to introduce students to the social concerns or not social concerns but the social skills that i that i want you will notice students come in with anxiety um, because it's a new teacher, it's a new environment. And that was much more common at the beginning of the year. But as the excitement and word built around school of, hey, you're going to get to go play Tetris, play video games with the teacher and each, eat lunch, you see a lot of that anxiety fade away as they walk in, as the students really end up doing a good job promoting your program if you do it well. Um, problem solving is another big skill that students and video games I, I mean they go hand in hand when you hand a student a video game controller for a game they've never played the first thing i think students typically ask today that i find very interesting is well what do i have to do to play and the response is simple i don't know figure it out start pressing buttons and that's problem solving at its at its core thank you what long-term benefits have you noticed from students that have participated in the lunch program? So think about students that maybe were your first, the first initial groups that, that you worked with when you first developed this idea. And what long-term benefits are you seeing from those who have participated and even those who have um, begun this next cycle? I think confidence is a big thing. I think 
may feel more comfortable talking and conversing with adults. I notice students who are very comfortable in here at the beginning of the day when they walk by in the hallway, instead of just saying good morning, it's evolved into more of a conversation, if that makes sense. And that's, that's very fun when you have a fifth grader initiating and starting a conversation, checking in on you. And if they're competitive, they'll, they'll say, well, Mr. Zimmerman, who is, who's really good at Tetris or who's really good at this? And they seek out people that have the same interests of them. And it really just bleeds over into recess where I see more students comfortable jumping from group to group as opposed to playing with the same group every day. And that's actually one of the biggest things I've, I've noticed. One of my concerns doing this was, well, I'm gonna leave the video game systems out in my classroom. Is it gonna be a distraction during, during our regular computer instruction and time? And I'd say the other big thing I've noticed is students know how to really respect the time in class and separate that from having fun and play. There's very little distractions in the room, although students at the beginning of the year were like, hey, what's this? What are they gonna do as they see it walking around and getting comfortable in the environment? But I'd say those two big things, or, or three rather, really students having those conversations that are meaningful. It's not just, you know, that East Coast mentality of saying hello or where you keep going. You, you say hello, good morning, you stop and try and have a conversation. And then again, the relationships at recess and seeing students play with students, interact with students that they don't always interact with. I think that's an awesome thing. And then the ability to differentiate between when is it time to work and play and play is also work. Sometimes we can trick kids into playing and working at the same time too, but. Excellent. Thank you. Sam, you offer a recess art time within your schedule. What does having this time provide for your students? Yeah, so hi everybody. Um, during recess art is what we call it. Um, the kids are able to come in and work on maybe projects they're a little behind on or fine tune them. They also create their own types of projects. They're open to all the materials in my room um, to a certain extent. And also, they can also play games if they want, if it's appropriate. Um, students, there's a variety of students, they come in, they either work on stuff, they play games with their friends, they interact with other classes. So it's just a good environment to come in, um, relieve some anxiety, and just either work with yourself uh, by yourself or collaborate with other students. Excellent. What kind of community relationship benefits do you see from students participating in this art experience? Um, the community relationships that um, they benefit from is that they develop these sort of leadership, collaboration, and social skills during this time. So you'll see a lot of um, some students know how to draw a certain item and they'll teach another student. So they'll kind of have this nice interaction of collaborating and leadership of teaching them all these new techniques and having this experience with another student except instead of me teaching them how to do it. Um, and also the social skills that they come in with. I see all the different, you know, fifth grade classes interacting with each other that 
usually don't interact with each other because they're in different homerooms. So just kind of building those skills, they're benefiting and kind of um, creating a nice, a nice ability to create those community relationships by experiencing all these skills during this time. And Sam's programs, her art programs that she offers um, outside of the school are widely popular and many of our students want to participate. So another layer that allows, it allows Sam some additional time to work with students who might not be able to get to participate in those pro programs and connecting them to a, um, the school additionally in another positive way that is focused on interest. Sam, how does this program positively impact your relationship with students as their teacher? Um, and so during this time, it is definitely a little more laid back. Um, there's a lot more openness. So it gives us more opportunity to create a supportive, trusting relationship because I can be one-on-one -on -one with the student. So if they need extra help and they come to me with a technique they want to learn, it is more of a one-on-one -on -one, and it gives them the sense of support for me and trust, which benefits in the classroom because I see more engagement from them and also more focused during class because we have built this relationship in other during this time and during um, morning art club and things like that has definitely affected their academic focus in my class and also engagement in a positive way. Sam or Matt, is there anything you would want to do to expand a program like this? Like, where do you see that the program possibly going um, in the future? I think, I think to add on to what Sam said, working with different students in different homerooms, I think that's something that next year I'm going to try to incorporate completely randomizing the groups, picking four, six students at a time and working through them to really push and promote that idea of really, you know, for some of our students, it's conquering our fears. Well, I'm going to a random place with strangers. Yes, our fourth graders in our building, I think, I think that's the kind of student we want to mold. And to me, to to add to what Sam said, that's that's building leadership that you can then leverage later in the classroom. If you build, the, if you take the time to build those relationships with students, you definitely see that leadership spill over to it. It it helps you handle some of those those small behavior problems in class more more fluidly as well. Yeah. Um, some enhancements that I do want to make for next year. Um, or have it evolve is maybe some days being specifically, um, maybe we'll learn about, you know, watercolor or I'll ask the students what they want to explore and see if I can get like certain days just to be focused on a certain technique. So they'll, maybe I'll get more students involved in coming in during recess art. Um, if they're having trouble with oil pastels, maybe they want to sign up that day for oil pastels. So making it a little more of a concrete schedule more than, and some days still be open for them to come in and freely work around the artwork. And then other days having this specific type of lesson, not lesson, but like activity that they get to experience outside of the regular classroom. I look forward to um, us continuing these programs and, and meeting with students and finding ways to engage our students at different levels and also providing some social and emotional support 
through um, these opportunities that, you know, students might not get if they're just outside running around. It's just a different option of ways that we can support their needs. So thank you both for um, everything you're doing and, and I really do appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, Kristen. It's greatly appreciated. And this is probably a good time for us to take a break. You've been listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. We will be right back. And welcome back to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. Here in the studio with my co-host, Fran Gavin. I'm Tim Fredericks, your host. And uh, this evening, continuing in our series of programs that are curated by Centenary doctoral students, we have Kristen Kreese, who is uh, speaking with her colleagues in Branchburg about some of the wonderful things that are going on there. So without further ado, we turn it back to Kristen. Thank you very much, Dr. Fredericks. At this time, I'd like to introduce uh, Mike Clark and Nicole Orzel, who are the PE teachers in our 4-5 building. Mike is husband to a superstar teacher and coach, father of three, he said disrespectful, but I disagree, children, dog lover, currently in his 18th year of teaching. 11 of those years included coaching college and high school sports. Outside of school, you can find him hiking, fishing, and spending time outdoors with his family. Nicole is in her fourth year teaching PE here at, at in Branchburg. She loves getting to share her passion for physical activities and fitness with her fourth and fifth grade students. In addition to teaching PE, Nicole has also taught health, coached intramurals and the drama club, and led a gratitude club and student leadership program for students. Outside of school, Nicole teaches acro at a local dance studio and performs as a dancer herself. So thank you, Mike and Nicole, for being here. Can you talk to us a little bit about the walking club you implemented? Can you talk to us what it looks like and how um, this idea came to fruition? Certainly can. Um, if you want to call, I'll start a little bit and then feel free to jump in, piggyback or add on to anything. Sounds good. So the walking club is a great way to start the day. We have a win program, which stands for what I need. And for about the first 30 minutes of each day, students participate in this program. And as a staff, we get together as all special area teachers, and we kind of pull from a pool of students that have been provided to us from each grade level. And we rotate them through our different specials. And when they're with phys ed, they're part of a walking club. Um, when the weather is appropriate, this walking club takes place outside where each student upon getting to the door is given a tally counter, which they put in their hand, which is a basically a measuring tool that they're going to use to keep track of their laps. And they're also reminded that the expectations are that we're going to go outside, we're going to be moving, we're going to be walking, and the expectation is also that we're going to be talking. So everyone has to be with at least one other student. You can work in groups of two, three, four, five, whatever it may be, but everyone is going to be with another student. And that's to foster the uh, collaboration and discussion among students. What we did find at one point last year is a bunch of students wanted to jog. And although that was fantastic, and as phys ed teachers, we're like, this is great. At the same time, when they were jogging or like sprinting from area to area, they were missing out a little bit on that social component. So this year we've really enhanced it as a true walking and talking club where they get a chance to get into conversations. And at any point we feel like there aren't conversations, which doesn't happen too much, we throw out like a question of the day to kind of spark it. And then from there, they will just run off with it. And when the weather's not appropriate, we also are able to do this indoors. We'll play some music and the students will walk around, myself and Ms. Orch 
or Zelle, we kind of rotate who we walk with and really get to dig in and find a lot about students. Sometimes there's not even a back and forth conversation. It might just be the student talking to us for 30 minutes straight and sharing everything that's gone on in their life for the last week or the weekend. And it really gives us a chance to get to know them and students a chance to get to know each other. And what's cool with Wynn is, as Matt was saying earlier, about trying to provide opportunities for different homerooms to come together. That's the case in Wynn is we are pulling students from different homerooms where they can get a chance to kind of meet and greet when they don't typically get that opportunity in say their classroom. Um, I know I'm probably missing plenty there, Ms. Orzel. So if there's anything else, please add on. Yeah, so I'll add that, um, like you said, one of the great things about the walking club is that they get to socialize and they get to kind of build relationships and friends and friendships with some other classmates that they might not normally talk to. Um, at the same time, they also get to kind of set personal goals for themselves. So they know that when we are outside, if they're able to walk 12 laps around the blacktop, they completed a full mile first thing to start their school day. Um, so a lot of them will start out trying to maybe get double digits, trying to get to 10 laps, which makes them just under a mile. Uh, a couple times after that, we'll see most of the students trying to aim for that full mile. And after a week or two, um, a lot of them will push themselves and start aiming for a mile and a half or a mile and three quarters or even two miles, um, all while talking, all while socializing. So it's really cool to see them kind of take that opportunity and and push themselves and set goals for themselves and reach those goals and we're able to track uh, how far they walk each time so they can see what they did last time uh, what they want to do this time and you know set set goals and and reach them which is really really great one of the things that we loved I loved about this program when it was implemented was we had a lot of staff involvement too so even teachers um, would be out there walking with different groups of students along with Mike and Nicole, which I thought was great for students and teachers to be working together towards those common goals and just starting off the day with movement. So can you talk to us a little bit about where the idea came from? Like what, what was the need you were seeing? Where did this concept originate from? And how did you get that started? I think largely this idea came from the fact that we were kind of Coming back post-pandemic, where we knew that a lot of students kind of were isolated and quarantined and all of that stuff where they really did not have that social aspect um, and they, they had those social and emotional needs post-pandemic. And at the same time, in addition to that, during the pandemic, they were uh, not getting as active a lot of times as they were used to. There was more sitting, you know, at the computer, a lot of screen time, get them getting outside, getting fresh air, getting to talk to their classmates who maybe they don't even know so well at this point. They might know them online, but not even in person so much. Um, so we thought that this would just be a really good way to start their mornings. Um, and we kind of took it from there. Mike, you want to add anything else? Um, yeah, I think, like you said, it was post-pandemic and even during the uh, when we first came back to school and we still had all these six foot uh, apart, get outside as much as you can. It was amazing how sometimes just walk outside really all got them smiling. And it almost became like mass bricks became little walking clubs. And it was something that we were like, oh, this has to keep going. And we'd take them through the woods and different trails and they would just be thrilled. And there's just an incredible pool of research that illustrates the value of being outside and what that does to your psyche 
and the dopamine release and the oxytocin, just what that can do for the mindset. And we see it. Sometimes they're quiet in the hallway. We Once we get outside, it's like a smile. They get a little chatty and they start moving. And I think formatting it like we've done with setting the goals and encouraging the group walks has just kind of enhanced it and taken it to another level. So what positives have you both noticed as physical education teachers um, from the students that are participating in this experience? Um, specifically, I guess I'll start, Nicole, and then um, jump on. The students, what we've seen is that there are sometimes when student placement gets tricky because we have so many teachers involved in our WIN program. It's kind of like an all-hands-on-deck situation, and there are a lot of times where teachers are absent and things like that go on, and a student's looking for a place to go, and they're like, let's go jump on board with the walking club, and we'll have like these extra students come in, and like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we wanted to join this group. So it's spread a little bit, like Matt has said with his program at lunch, like word gets out and students do share their experiences they have in school and various programs. And the feedback's been that they really enjoy it. They hope to get signed up again for it or have the opportunity to do it again. And teachers have also shared that there's been times when certain students like I recommend, I think this is what they need. They need to get out and move. And they've shared on the days that they've had win they felt there may have been heightened focus in the classroom and that behaviors could have been um, more appropriate due to the fact that they just had a chance to get out and move and socialize. Mm -hmm. I'll add to a couple other positives that I've noticed. Um, like Sam and Matt said with their programs as well, this is a great opportunity for us as teachers to walk and talk with a bunch of students. Um, and so getting to do that, we get to learn a lot about them they learn a lot about us. They love asking us all sorts of questions. Um, and that then transfers over to during physical education classes. So we are able to build those relationships and really make connections with them, um, which is just great overall in the school environment. And then one other positive that I've noticed too, while talking to students on our walks is that several of them have been really excited to tell me that they went home and they suggested that their family goes on a walk or that they asked their mom to go on a walk with them. So they're bringing this um, home, getting their family members involved. And really it's a relatively easy and simple yet meaningful thing for them to be bringing home and kind of sharing with their families, which is really nice to hear. Yes, and strengthening our home to school connection, which is so important and, and allowing them to share some of the positives of the day. So I would ask you both the same question. How would you expand this program? How do you see this, this moving forward? What can it evolve into to continue to su provide support for students in terms of social emotional needs and connecting them to their school? Um, one thing that we've talked a lot about that we think would be great to have in the future is just expanding the area that we can walk. Um, so rather than just being either in the gymnasium or on the blacktop or, you know, once in a while elsewhere outside, getting like a real walking path around the perimeter of the school and the property just to then have the space to get more people involved at a time so we don't have to limit it to a certain number of students per day. Um, I think another fun thing we could do is kind of add on to maybe create a school-wide event, like a maybe walking a collective marathon as a school, um, or we can 
change it and do some sort of like a fundraising color run where they're taking this walking program and you know using it as practice and preparation and making kind of an, a fun event that we can do school-wide with everyone. Yeah, I, I would think there's no reason why weather pending that we can start every Friday with the entire campus going out and completing a lap or two or building in challenges where classes can earn points based on how many um, times they go around the campus in one day, if we had more space and opportunity to do that as far as the walking path goes. But there could be a lot of fun things that would take place to uh, enhance school climate and build uh, some fun like team building within the classes. So do you see what if you if you look at some of your students that that have participated last year and and now as we as we moved into the second year this year, what have the students said? Have any of the students shared anything specifically um, from their perspective? They've mostly just, I've heard a lot of them saying that they look forward to it and they want to do it again. I know when we have to rotate students out, um, I do hear a lot of complaints that, oh, I can't go to walking club again. Can you take me again for your next group? Um, so I know that they they truly do look forward to it every morning. They think that it's you know a fun way to start their day and kind of get them ready to sit and focus in their next classes. And lastly, I know um, both of you, in, in order to use our social emotional program to really talk to the community, is um, you did share this with the community um, in, in a newspaper story just to kind of share with, you know, with parents and the community as well, the types of pro programming. And I think that's so important to take opportunities like that to share the good that we are doing with these kind of different programs that support student needs. So um, did either of you, did any of your students share that they saw the article in the newspaper or did you hear from any families in a positive manner? Um, other than I've gotten some emails as far as saying that they're glad that their child had the opportunity to be part of the club and their child had a good experience in the club, specifically related to the newspaper. I don't recall, but I guess when it's put in over the summer, they probably forget by the time September 1st <laughs> comes around. Um, but that maybe we will have to cut it out and stick it in our bulletin board just as a little reminder, but like, hey, you're big time. You were in the newspaper. You're famous. We're rocking here. <laughs> you're famous. So um, one of the last things is I know you mentioned a little bit, Mike, about the homeroom teachers saying some students are, um, they think some students would benefit from those programs, but what specifically, Mike or Nicole, have you heard in terms of positive benefits that are going directly into the classroom from walking? Yeah, I've heard just that um, some of the teachers have found that there's better focus um, after they come back in from walking club and some less kind of behavior reminders that need to happen or um, just like getting off track. Just they seem, they from what I've heard, students tend to come back in and they really are able to sit and focus and learn, um, which is obviously amazing. Yeah, I've heard the same feedback that Nicole just said is what I've heard as well in regards to uh, their the students' response when they come in. And sometimes they're like, please take this child, take them. And they come out and uh, they, ha they have a great time getting outside, moving around. And then the teacher at lunchtime will be like, they had a great morning. Thank you. And we, I mean, other than providing the environment and you allowing the schedule and system for this to work, we're going out there, we're walking and talking, and the rest is kind of taking care of itself. Agreed. So thank you, um, Mike and Nicole, both for sharing a little bit about your walking club. We definitely appreciate it, um, and it has been a huge success.
And this is also a great time for us to take another break. You are listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. We will be right back. And we're back on Leadership Matters, WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. Tim Fredericks, your host, along with my co-host, Fran Gavin, in the studio this evening with our very special guest, Kristen Kreese, a doctoral student here at Centenary University, who has put together a, a great show featuring some of the uh, wonderful work that's being done in the Branchburg Township School District. Kristen? All right, hi, Dr. Fredericks. And now I have the pleasure of introducing Sarah Dabrowski, who is the media specialist at our school. She has been working in libraries since she was in high school after receiving her degree and teaching certificate from what was then Trenton State College. She received her MLS from the University of Pittsburgh she was a youth services librarian in public libraries for many years, but after a hiatus, while she raised her children, she turned to school libraries. She has been at her current school for seven years. She was on the Young Adult Library Services Association Board of Directors, sorry you're famous, as well as an elected president of the association. She is an avid reader and fact collector. She is passionate about supporting freedom of choice in reading and truly believe library has something to offer everyone. She has two teenagers, loves sewing and raising chickens. And she has the best book recommendations of anyone I know. So if you're ever looking for something, Sarah Dabrowski is the person to reach out to. So Sarah, we've been able to offer some additional programs outside of the traditional library period with creative scheduling. And one of those programs was to have access to the library um, during recess um, at certain times during our schedule. Can you talk to us a little bit about that thought process? Sure, thank you for having me and the lovely introduction. Um, well, one thing about our school is that it's an elementary school and we have a fixed schedule of library classes. So in a school like a high school, students often have a lot more, I'll say free time, where they could just stop in at the library when they want to. Um, they even have more of that access in middle school, but they don't have as much unstructured time here that they could just be in the library. So um, for a few years, I had been trying to think about ways that I could have more opportunities for our students to be in the library. Um, a few years ago, I tried a program called a Lunch Bunch and kids signed up for that and did activities with me. And the kids who did sign up for it liked it, but the problem was that it couldn't be offered regularly. It had to be fit into a schedule that matched um, with my lunch and recess duties that I performed. Um, so I didn't feel like it was super successful. And then uh, last year, um, and that, so that was a few years ago. And then last year, I happened to be outside covering for somebody at fifth grade recess. And I saw two girls who were friendly with me in, in class. And these girls, I'll say, did not look like they were enjoying recess very much. Um, and they were happy to come stand next to me and chat with me. And I said something to them like, well, if you ever wanna come into the library during recess, you could. And their faces just lit up. And sure enough, they showed up the next day. <laughs> and um, they showed up every day, basically for the rest of the year. And um, I felt so, pleased that I could offer that for them. They were kids who um, weren't really interested in playing games or sports with the other kids outside. Um, 
they didn't have a broad social circle. And when they came into the library, they spent a lot of time um, just reading by themselves or together, um, and then eventually playing games with me. They loved to talk to me. They loved to, to play games with me. Um, and then a few other kids came along too. So this year, so those girls moved on. And this year I wanted to offer this sort of again, but let it be a little bit more known. Um, and it had just spread through word of mouth. And so at the start of the year, kind of picked out a few kids I thought would be interested, mentioned it to them. They started coming, other kids started coming. Um, and I said, okay, we're, we're gonna have to get a, a sign up in place. So we started having, um, I just put out a sign up sheet and I do cap the number of kids who can come um, to maintain the kind of chill vibe that we're going for in here, um, just to offer this alternative space for kids who who want it. That's great, thank you. Um, so we, we know in the library during, especially during recess, there's the option to, to look at books and check out books like you would do um, you know, in a regular visit to the library, but what other types of activities have you made available to your students during this recess library time? Well, um, one thing that's been really popular is I happen to like doing crafty things myself. Um, and I often have recycled book art around, like I've made flowers out of pages from books or origami. And the kids love seeing that. So I would just say, oh, do you want me to show you how to do it? And I did. And then um, they really loved it when I said, oh, do you just want to make stuff with all of my supplies? And we must have had a solid month of every day. I just put out my boxes of um, pages from books, um, craft paper, uh, glue sticks, scissors, and markers, and said, just go ahead and make stuff. And they made bookmarks and they made origami things and they loved that. Um, sometimes I have a couple kids who just wanna draw on my board. Um, I do sometimes still get kids who would just like to read. Um, a lot of times uh, I happen to love doing tabletop games and board games. Um, so a lot of times they like to play games with me. We've been having a week of um, many kids running in every day and saying, can we play that game again? A game I brought in from home. So uh, a lot of times we play games together. Um, and we do have um, some other games already in the library today. I had some students come in and uh, they just wanted to play Monopoly. So they were just kind of doing that off on their own side, um, their own thing. Um, and then another thing, um, so a lot of times I'm interacting with the kids, but sometimes they're just doing things on their own. I've right now got a group of, of three girls who've just been on a kick of reading aloud to each other. Like they like to pr pretend they're playing teacher, um, <laughs> but they've gotten really into reading aloud to each other and then talking about the books. <laughs> and uh, it's just the cutest thing to say. Thank you. I think one of the, when you pop in into the library during this time, you do see a variety of activities going on and a variety of, of um, different experiences. And, and I think what is such, such a great component of this is that it really is student driven. You're giving them the space, but you're also providing them with a lot of options to make recess uh, more enjoyable for them. So 
when when students are participating, whether it's in the read aloud or or gameplay, um, I was I was part of listening to storytelling. One student was selected to be the storyteller, and she was telling stories to the rest of the group. What benefits are you saying seeing in terms of students participating in that program? Um, well, I'm seeing a lot of benefits. Um, one thing is really just in terms of thinking first and foremost about a safe space for students to be. Um, like when I think about the kids who come in, some of them are people I would have expect and others not. I'm sure for some people there's a lot of drama at fifth grade recess and getting to come in here and be apart from that is of value to them. So I do see that. Um, and I see a benefit of them forming a relationship with me um, so they get to see me as, I don't know, I guess I'd say like more of a person. <laughs> you know, we're, we're playing a game together. It's fun. It's, it's just, there's a lot of benefits to gameplay and they get to see me laughing with them and there's not a, a lesson we're trying to learn. You know, we're just people having a nice time together. Um, and uh, I also see maybe sometimes them forming social relationships with other kids who they don't necessarily consider themselves friends with. Um, like I said, I, I limit the number of students who can be in the library for this because I want it to remain a kind of a calm place to be. Um, so today, for example, I had three kids who were playing a game with me and then another student came in and she usually likes to just draw by herself, but we invited her to play with us and she did and she had a great time. And I don't know that she's really friends with these other kids, but they all had a good time together. So I do see a lot of social benefits. Um, I, I I also would ask you, you I think you, you've evolved, you shared that you evolved the program over time really based on what what needs you are seeing in terms of students. And um, I kind of love that that this just happened, you happened upon this program and then, you know, it was something that the students really, really needed. How do you evolve this, Sarah? Like where, where can you take this next? Um, you have the space and you have the time. What could this evolve into? Well, um, the first thing is that right now I only offer this to fifth grade students. Um, Obviously, I would love to let fourth graders in on it, too. I did have a fourth grader asking me about that today, saying, wait, people are in here during recess. Can I do that? And I said, well, next year you can. Um, so that would be wonderful. Um, I, I see kids loving the opportunity to play tabletop games. I'd love to have a tabletop games club or more of that. Um, the one rule I have in this recess time is that they're not to bring their computers with them. Um, I love computer games and video games, but as part of maintaining that, if you wanna come have a place to just chill out and relax, we're going to not do that. And um, everyone seems pretty, pretty cool with that. Um, and it's been great to see them embracing um, doing sort of freeform art and freeform um, uh, gaming. So, you know, I, I see potential for future, um, future clubs, that sort of a thing. And like I said, just expanding more access to more students. Great. So I guess I would ask, you know, 
all of my guests. If you if you have a teacher or a school who is looking to implement a program like this or, or programs like this, where do you tell them to start? Where would you, what is your advice for, for someone who wants to start something like this um, in their own school? Um, I would say that you just need to make the time available. Um, because for me, originally, the time just wasn't there. I was doing too many recess and lunch duties. I couldn't offer the library to be open. Um, the only times I could offer the library to be open were when people had other classes going on. Um, and those are times that teachers bring their students to the library to do things, but there wasn't really this sort of flexible time. So I think you need to commit to saying, well, this is important too, so let's free up these people so that this space can be available. Does any, any of the other guests have, have ideas or advice that they would share um, for a school or, or teachers who are looking to implement programs like that, like this? Yeah, I, I can jump um, in here. Um, Mike, do you wanna go ahead and start? No, you go ahead, Matt. All right, so I think I think in education, one of one of our faults we do as adults is we, we sometimes sit around a table and think about what our kids need and want when the best resources are kids and what they want. And I think I think everyone everyone involved in this conversation is doing something very different, but but what I hear is they may have presented the idea and started it, but everyone in here has evolved what they're doing based on really what the students want. And I think I think starting or implementing anything like this starts with with the students who are involved. What do they want? What do they think they need? Sometimes we don't give them enough credit as educators in communicating with us about their needs and wants. And I think that's a great starting point. Thanks. Yeah, Matt. Matt. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, yeah, I was going to say the same thing as far as uh, student feedback goes. That's really going to be what drives it. And if their feedback is directed towards one of our passions as teachers, it's a great opportunity to get fulfillment on both sides. And I think anyone listening to this podcast you shared, and myself included, who teaches at school, you're thinking like, wow, these kids at Stony Brook have a lot of great options and there's something for everybody. And, and then by having these programs, there really is. So a student should be able to find some light in their day by having an opportunity, whether it's in the art room, in the library, in, in the technology room, outside with the teachers. Like there's something out there that should hopefully provide that spike and that like, I want to go to school today because I know I'm gonna have that experience with a teacher that shares a passion with me to make that connection. So I hope anyone listening to this is thinking that this is a very, uh, positive direction to go, not only for the students, but I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of the other teachers. This is one of our favorite times of the day. I know as a staff member and Nicole and I, we usually in a room with almost 40 students and there's a lot of moving parts in there and our program tries to get kids constantly moving and there's a lot of supervision. This is a chance to really dial it back and communicate and make connections with kids that uh, we just don't typically get in a typical visit uh, environment. Alrighty, I just wanted to thank all of you for participating in the program. Um, most importantly, the ability to form deep connections in school with staff members and peers, it positively impacts the student experience. And just to piggyback off what Mike said, if we can get them 
more and more positive reasons of why they want to be here and excited about being here um, and choice in in part of what they're experiencing when they're here, um, the more memorable and remarkable and, and more, um, I truly feel growth that we will get in, in our students moving forward. Um, I'm grateful to be able to share these programs developed by Mike, Nicole, Matt, Sam, and Sarah, so that other schools can use creative scheduling to implement other programs like these. Again, it's it's looking and finding the time, finding time to allow for the creativity of, of the teachers to um, shine. And every one of these programs was really developed by the teacher who, who's looking to support student needs and and by taking a peek at the schedule and finding minutes um we're really al allowing a whole extra level of support for students in terms of social and emotional support um which we know in turn directly impacts um their academic experience so i am grateful to all of you for participating um thank you for highlighting some of the amazing things you do here in our school and thank you, Kristen, for putting this together. Thank you, Sam, Mike, Matt, Sarah, and Nicole for coming on and uh, describing all the creative ways that you're using the schedule to find that extra time that we can never seem to find enough of for our kids. With that being said, uh, you've been listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. On behalf of Fran Gavin and myself, Tim Fredericks, we will see you next time.